On this episode, Beverly Simpson teaches us how to think about how you provide value to your clients, as well as using your clients' core beliefs to improve their results. Beverly busts some common myths about how you grow your business, as well as some key metrics that she feels you need to be tracking. And as always at the end, stay tuned for your tip on ways to build your wealth muscle. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Hey, fitness coaches. Uh, Welcome back to Building Your Wealth Muscle. Today, we're joined with Beverly. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to get started. We're going to have a great conversation. Yeah. uh, Well, before we even start, it's funny. We we were in a group together, the uh, TCP program, which it's funny. I didn't realize you were one of the, the star pupils in that in that course. So. <laughs> <laughs> hardly, hardly star, but I do, I do love the program. I'm sure we'll talk about it today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, really, tell the, the listeners a little bit about yourself before we dive in. Yeah, sure. So I, my name is Beverly Simpson. I am the owner of B Simpson Fitness and I came to fitness funny enough because I was a former musical theater performer and I used to have this belief that my perfect job was going to be on the other side of fixing my body because I had, I was a soprano classically trained, but I didn't believe I had this body of an ingenue, right? So I, I moved from California to New York and I was, when I went to a prestigious, got my master's in a prestigious conservatory, I was doing musical theater. But what happened to me is I got this piece of advice that said, you have to love the process more than the outcomes because you're going to spend more time in the outcome or in the process than with the outcome. And that just really stuck with me. I've always, I've lived by that. And what happened was because I was spending so much time working out, trying to fix my body, I got into, I was living in the gym. So I became a personal trainer because that was going to be my day job while I auditioned. But what ended up happening, which is funny, I laugh now because I had that moment of helping someone achieve their goal. And I went, oh, I need to leave this narcissistic industry theater and go into fitness. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, no, but seriously, though, I became a personal trainer and I was the fastest growing personal trainer to assistant fitness manager to fitness manager to district fitness manager responsible for hiring and developing personal trainers for five big box gyms for in Manhattan and New Jersey for a national company. And what happened was was I got I had my two kids. So I'm also a mom of two two girls that are age six and four. And I don't know if you or any of your, your listeners have worked in a gym, but it has, it's been, you know, every month you have a closeout. So I was going to miss every single holiday 
of my kids' lives. And it was also funny because it was that moment of having my kids that I realized, oh, it's not a narcissistic industry or a bot or a, a body image ish or it was not a narcissistic issue. It was a me or industry. It was a me body image stuff that I had to unpack and really unlearn and realize that wherever you go, there you are, which is probably, you know, part of what I really got away from TCP, which we'll get into later. But that was one of the biggest things that I realized in in my journey. So then what happened after that was I left that company and I started my own business. And then I started to help other personal trainers start grow and scale their online businesses. It's fantastic. So how long, um, how long ago did you start it then? It was 20, which? My online business, mm -hmm. I started in 2017. Oh, perfect. Okay. And how Maybe was? Maybe 2016. Yeah, 2017. How has the business model evolved in the, in that time frame? Um, well, my business model started, so I started, the first thing that I did was I started to, well, there are a couple things. Number one, when I left the gym that I was working at, I had zero clients, literally zero, because I wasn't training anymore. I was doing, I was training the trainers. Right. So I had, so I literally had to start my business from scratch, which was fine. It was a good thing. I did. I started with one on one, and then I moved from one on one to a membership model. And then my membership model grew, did really well. And then I closed that membership model down, and I moved into, and I moved into business coaching or marketing and marketing and messaging coaching. And the thing that I'm going to say about that is that I'm just not a, I'm not a firm believe, I'm not a believer that it has to be linear like that or that, you know, when people hear that I did that or that I've jumped that, you know, jumped in the, that industry, what a common belief is that I hear is, oh, only B2B, only business to business makes money. And that is just simply not true. But I'm a firm believer that the desires of your heart and the skills that are put into your heart are the ones that you are meant to do. You are destined and designed to do what it is that you are meant to do. And for me, I had already been teaching business. That's what I was already doing in my national gym. I was I was teaching sales calls. I was teaching how to do kickoffs. I was building personal trainers business and I'd helped hundreds of trainers learn and, and, and develop their skills both as a business owner and as a trainer. Because I personally have noticed in my life that the trainers that are the ones that care about the biomechanics and care about the science of trainers or science of, of movement uh, are typically the ones that struggle to grow their business the most. And it kills me because in my personal opinion, if you really look out into the space, it the barrier or the bar of entry is really low and anybody can come to the market space. And that's not necessarily bad or wrong, but when the people who are the cream, who care, who have poured thousands of dollars into their education to learn the science, to continue to get better for their clients, don't get struggle to make money, that kills me. Because the good trainer with a great service becomes a great trainer, and great trainers typically don't have to beg for clients. 
So that that's a great way to look at it because I know in the finance industry that that happens a lot too. Like some of the best salesmen are the least educated in our business, and it's like you know the regulators say they're doing something about it, but. Yeah. And, and I'll say too, that, you know, I don't look at that from a critical viewpoint. I mean, it's, I look at that more as that's the possibility. If that, that's what's possible for us. And, and do I think that any person who gets in can get in and then, then start caring about the industry? I'm all about that. That is great. I want to celebrate that. But, but what happens to what I see in the market space for me is that these just really smart trainers see other people being successful and then they think it's not possible for them. And it's just not true. So what is, what is your business model now is that you help them with? Cause I know you have like a 12 month program. Is there other things mm -hmm. as well? Yeah. So I love that you asked that because, you know, we get into this convert. Now we get to start having this conversation around money, compensation, and we get to start talking about accessibility, things like, you know, we hear a lot from one of our mentors that, you know, 75% of Americans and Americans specifically are living paycheck to paycheck. So how do you price your products and services to make it to make it agreeable to people in that market space? Well, my gosh, that could be a whole nother uh, podcast. So I'm sure we could talk about that for 10 years. But so for me, you know, accessibility and diversity is really important to me. So in my Ascension model, I have my top tier, my 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 accelerator, where my these are for my people that are my action action takers, go getters that are ready to, to that have the reps under their belt to actually take their their business to the next level and generate another hundred k underneath their belt. And the reason why it's twelve months, right? Because Let's just talk about it in terms of fitness for a second, right? When we're looking at perceived value, there are four areas that a consumer's typically looking at perceived value. Is there, what's the desired outcome? What is my level of believability and can I do it? What is the effort and sacrifice? And then the other most important neglected is the time. People are looking for the fastest, most efficient way to get to the desired outcome. And what and there's a reason why liposuction is a $35,000 investment and people still do it is they want the speed. Speed is going to win over free any day, any time of the, of the, you know, any day of the week. But as, and so when you are trying to get someone excited about point Z, when they're starting at point A, it becomes our job to get them excited about point B, right? Let's get them excited about the first win, the cons, getting to that first summit before they go to the top of the Mount Everest, right? That's what we're doing. But the accelerator, since it's designed to get you an additional 100K, I could teach you how to lose 100 pounds in, in an hour. I could teach you how to build a million dollar business. It'll probably take me a little bit longer than an hour, maybe three hours, but that's not going to give you the reps. It's not going to give you the experience and it's not going to give you the level of mastery that is required. And that takes more failures and perceived failures, I'll say, than it does success. So I have that space for people to start to build relationships, not just with me, but with each other and like-minded people to really break through the invisible components to building 
an, an additional 100K into their salary, not just their business. Because you and I both know that that's not the same. Yeah. Yeah, revenue, you know? revenue and profit, very different. Yes. And so then I have the PT profit formula, which is kind of the, the foundations. It's, it's, it's the tools. It's like you're building blocks to build your machine, which I ha encourage people to do in 90 days, but they have forever access to that. So there's also that component. And then I also have smaller, smaller ways to learn, you know, uh, or smaller emotional investments, like can create content that converts. And I have, I have a whole bunch of, uh, I have a free podcast. I mean, literally there's over 120 hours of in, of literal step-by-steps that someone in theory could listen to start to finish and build a business. But really ultimately it comes down to, in my, in my opinion, it comes down to the, the strategic, that's the one, the unanswered how-to questions that comes down to that, but that's only a little tiny sliver that most people focus on. The other three main components are the invisible comp components. The what is your level of believability in yourself? Can you actually do and are you being the person that has the, the business that you want? The other invisible components are things like you know, are you, you know, how you show up in when, when you're faced with fear, when you're faced with, with your ego fighting you. And this is true for your clients too. Your clients who are trying to get healthy and fit, like chances are, it's not the first time that they've tried to get healthy and fit. So the real question you need to ask them is what is preventing them from getting there? What are those core beliefs that are holding them back from a subconscious level. That's really what we're looking at. Some of the invisible components that a lot of people miss. So what are the, so it sounds like some of the problems that you help people with is, I don't want to, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like they're mature problems. So are, mm -hmm. do most people come to you as beginners? Or are they, they've been at it for a little bit and they're like, okay, I've, I've hit my, plateau I need help getting to the next level yeah I love that I love that so it is a little it is it is both right so you I have a lot of people that come to me that are either in one one of one of two main spots right either they are three I'll say three either they are brand new to the industry online but they have a very successful brick and mortar they have a gym that they've been working at or they own a gym they've been training d1 d1 athletes they're very they're very high level in their brick and mortar but they're looking at the online space and wondering how is it that they can either add, to the industry or add an online component or use the online space effectively for their brick and mortar. So that's usually one. So beginner in the sense of I'm new to this, the market. Then I have the beginner beginner, someone who's newly certified and they don't want to go work in a gym, but they want, and they want to use the online space and they're new, right? And they have no systems, no processes. And the brick and mortar person has systems and processes, but maybe it's not effective or they're not sure if it's effective for an online space, right? And then the, 
Then the third person is the one who's been at it for a while. This is the one that's been struggling. They're blending in with the market. They're, they feel like I'm doing everything right, but nothing's working. I can't see, I can't change what I don't know. How can I get to the next level? So those are typically my three my three avatars, if you would, of people who usually come to me and say, hey, can you help me with this? That's perfect. So what does, and so those would all be in different levels of your program or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, people qualify it or quantify it by, you know, you'll, you'll see out in the market space, people will quantify it by, you know, levels of income. But for me, I don't really notice it. I don't really think of it in terms of, you know, what level of income are you at yet? Because I usually, because I do deal with the invisible components. And what that means is that the decision to be a a million dollar business owner is going to come first before you're going to actually see the outcomes. Like think about it when you are, you know, float, you know, you're sailing to some different location, you're going to see signs of land before you actually see land, right? So it's not necessarily that uh, necessary for me to say you have to be at a certain income level. Really, it's more about how you show up, how you make decisions, how you, how you, how you act more so than it is, you know, what are the the core thoughts and things that you say to yourself and what are the actions that you take because of those thoughts? That's really what I'm assessing when I'm determining or making a professional recommendation about where someone should start. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah, no, that's great. And so since there are basically three different avatars of clients that come to you, if you had to break down what some of the biggest common mistakes you're seeing people making Mm -hmm. when they first join your program? I love it. It's a big question. And I mean, because really, how many do you want (laughs) Um, when it comes to, you know, the common mistakes? And, you know, the good news is that it's not it's not common mistakes that people make because of their level that they're at in truth. Right. These are common mistakes because of, you know, core beliefs and things that people operate from. And it's actually also not their fault because it's common things that the industry will teach them. Right. Whether they're whether they're looking at the into the space and asking themselves, okay, well, how do I grow online? Because I'm starting or how do I grow online because I'm struggling? They're still looking at the same content. Doesn't matter really the con, the context of where they are in their business, just that their problems are, are struggling. And so I'll say for me that, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a list and we can unpack the, any, I'll, and we can unpack whatever ones you want to unpack, but. The biggest things that I see out there in this space is that so many people out there will give you advice that's actually not business advice. It's not a business strategy. Things like just post every day. That's not a business strategy, okay? I posted every single day for eight months and nothing happened. Just add a ton of value. People buy from people that they know, like, and trust. That is not true. Not true. Right. And the reason why I like so adamant about that is because they fall into the trap of what I did is that they're like, oh, I'm just going to build no like and trust for three months and then I'm going to present an offer. And I'm like, could you imagine if the grocery store 
You go to the grocery store and you buy all your stuff and then next week they close their doors and they're like, sorry, we're building no lack and trust right now. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's not how it works, right? <laughs> people say things like, you know, people buy, you know, attract people with a problem and sell them the solution. And that's just not true. <laughs> you want to sell them when you want to talk about selling. You want to demonstrate and show them the that show them the outcomes, show them what's possible because people aren't laying awake at night going, oh, I just need a membership or, oh, I just need a personal trainer. And they're not, that's not what's keeping them up at night. They might be saying that to themselves because they already think they know what the answer is. Consumers are savvy. Not only do they have a million different options, they also think they know what the solution is. So what happens is that people are like, no, they start selling the solution, but people don't care about the solution. They care about the outcomes. So if I went to the dentist and I said, and my dentist said, hey, I've got, you've got a root canal and I'm going to be with you for five hours and it's only going to cost you $10 and we're going to be together every day and I'm going to do two hours of your, you know, being in your mouth for two hours a day and you can text me anytime, blah, blah, blah. And I had another dentist that said, I'll get you out in 30 minutes, no pain. You'll never have to deal with this root canal again and it's $10,000. I'm going to pay $10,000 because I hate the dentist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, it's the outcome. It's not the solution. And people spend so much time selling the solution and not the outcomes. The next thing that people do is, or, or another thing that people do is they will, they have this unresolved issues or feelings around selling. Selling is sleazy. Selling is um, somehow they have this, this story around money whether it comes from where, how they brought up or, or maybe an experience that they had. I mean, there's a whole slew of reasons why people feel a certain way about selling and money. And, and they don't, and PT schools don't teach you that. They don't teach you how to run an actual business. They just teach you how to be a trainer. And so then another trap happens or people fall into is that they don't treat their business like a business. They spend so much tr time building no like, and trust that they're just selling, you know, they're hanging out with their friends. Their clients become their friends. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that is a trap that happens. And then people feel like they're, you know, taking from their friends that they're asking for their services to be compensated, right? And it's not their fault, but that's part of, you know, they people don't treat the business like it is a a business. And then the next thing that will end up happening is that they'll end up throwing money at the problem and try and delegate it because they heard, oh, I just need to build a team. But they'll like throw money at Facebook ads and think that Facebook ads is going to fix it or a marketing agency or, or throw money at, 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 at the problem. And then they end up paying high, you know, freelancers who don't even really care about your business the way you care about your business. And then their expenses outweigh their, their, their payroll or their income or their revenue. And they end up working for $3 an hour or worse. Sometimes they don't have any net 
profit, right? right? And then sometimes people think of their business like their baby and it's too precious and your business is not your baby. Your business is a machine. Your business is specifically there to help you generate the revenue and make the impact and change that you want while living a life that's free. Most trainer or a life of freedom, I should say, but most trainers treat their uh, end up just working working morning, night, hustling, begging for clients, working harder, not smarter. So that's why it kills me when I see those entrepreneurs out there that are like, you need to work harder, you need to work harder. I think those people serve a very important purpose. But for my hus- for my trainer who's already designed to hustle, that just runs them into the ground. And then they start to fall into this other weird trap where they start to feel like, oh, there's not enough for me or there's, there's you know, biz fitness isn't isn't a profitable industry it's too saturated but fitness is a 1.2 billion dollar market and yet 88% of americans are still metabolically inflexible you can't tell me that there's not a market for you you know so in so so in your program that was a lot <laughs> no that's that's fantastic information um, i'm sure people are writing it down but in your program so it, it sounds like it's a pretty healthy mix of business tactics and also like the mindset side of like getting out of your own way and your limitations and things like that. Yeah. So I think that it is a combination of both, you know, personal development and a lot of strategy. I have a lot. I, I do folk. I personally come from a very strategic, I am a linear thinker. I've always been linear and I've also been really good at computing. Like I, I'll see this is the outcome and then I can reverse engineer it. Right. So for anyone who's in the woo, that's like the dominant masculine energy. Right. So that's what that is honestly how I've operated a lot. Right. So the program is really built like the fir- like the actual formula when you get it, it is a literal step-by-step process to build this machine that to help you generate more leads, convert them into prospects, and then convert them into clients. And then you just rinse and repeat it, right? Over and over and over and over again. But human beings are meaning-making machines. And we all have evidence, whether you're new or not, and stories that are on repeat based on our experiences. Like sometimes evidence and experience is a double-edged sword because people will come to me and they'll be like, oh, webinars don't work or email marketing doesn't work. Email marketing's dead. Facebook pages are dead. Well, how do you know that? What's causing you to say that? I literally can give you a counterexample to everything that people tell me is wrong, right? And so... That's why the Dunning-Kruger's effect exists because people don't know what they don't know. So they walk into the space super energetic and magnet, and they are just magnetized and people flock to them because they don't have a chip on their shoulder. They don't know what they don't know. That's, that's what I, I, I did a podcast called Beginner's Luck Explained. That's what's happening is that people, the brain is literally looking for authority, right? They are looking for, think about the doctor. They don't really wear white coats anymore, but back in the day, I'm turning 40 this year, so I'm clearly dating myself, but back in the day, <laughs> you'd go into the room and 
it's a doctor would walk in with that white coat, you'd see it and your brain automatically goes, oh, that's an authority. Yeah. Right. So that's what's happening. That's what the brain's looking for. So when people are confident and and convicted in their in their truth and what they know to be true, whether it is or not, is subjective. The point is that the brain is recognizing that as, oh, that's an authority. And if you want more authority, you have to first make the decision that you are an authority. The number one mistake, if I all boiled, if I, if you wanted to boil down all of the hundreds of people that I've, I've, I've worked with, it's make a decision, make a decision. Most people are mulling around going, what about, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And trying to mitigate risk. Listen, me too. You're not alone. I do too. But a CEO's number one job is essentially to visualize the, you know, be the, be the visionary and then make decisions, just make a decision. And when you can do that and step into that and know that there is somebody for you at any level that you're at, then, then you're, you will send a signal to other people's subconscious that this person is an authority. And so that, That is, you know, that's honestly what we're doing. I'm giving you the unanswered how-to, and then we're just unpacking all of the blind spots, the way, like I give you the roadmap, and then we're unpacking what's preventing you from getting to the outcomes that you want, what's the evidence that happened, how can we grow collaborating and and, and thinking of new ways to stay in the cutting edge of fitness or cutting edge of marketing for fitness because I don't know how long you've been in the game, but I mean... When I first started, we had my we had MySpace, we had Periscope. I mean, all those things are just to the wayside, right? So you know, the strategy is important because at the end of the day, business is simple. You need leads and you need customers. Like that's it. You need a really amazing, compelling, must-have now offer, and you need to have be able to communicate the value of the offer and the asking investment. That's it. And it sounds so simple, but then your brain, all of your evidence, all your years of experience, all your years of conditioning and environment get in the way of that. And so really it's about unpacking that, unlearning that, and then finding the stories that need to come in order to get to the goal that you want. Because not everyone wants a million dollar business. Not everyone wants a $10 million business. Not everyone wants, you know, to be a trainer or a physical therapist or a health coach. And that's a good thing. That's why we can have abundance because you're never, it does not matter. It does not matter how tricky your language is. You're never going to convince me to buy a hula hoop course. I don't want a hula hoop or to be a writer. I don't want to be a novelist. Never going to convince me. It's just not in my heart. So, in for your for your clients then let's say the so like like you said you need the leads you need the new clients for those mm-hmm. in that scenario where you said like okay maybe their abundance for them is a half a million dollar business mm-hmm. so are they focusing on <clears throat> excuse me um like client retention churn rates things like that um does your program help them with that as well or is it mostly on the the front end to make sure they can get the flow 
So that's a great question, right? And it really depends on the business and the business model, right? A lot of com- a lot of coaching out there and marketing companies out there will teach you that it needs to be one way, right? High ticket only, and then you need to have a backend mentorship, and and then all of their marketing and all of their messaging is about um, is all about. Uh, how to debunk why those PDF downloads don't work or whatever, right? And then on the flip side, you've got the other people that are like, but I'm so packed with one-on-one clients. I need to have a leveraged offer. I want to have a membership. I want to be a gen. I want to serve more of the general public, right? And so, you know, or or a larger, I'm going for the volume because my program's really about deciding what your goal is. Number one is what is the income level that you want? What is the salary that you want? Because it's different, right? Really, I'm talking about net worth. And I want to know what your profit margin, what the profit margin is. That's a mistake. Most people don't focus on that. They're just focusing on, you know, oh, I'm an eight-figure business. But that's not impressive if you spent, you know, 7.9 figures to get your eight-figure business. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking at that profit margin. I want to know what is that profit margin that you're going after? How can we reduce our expenses and grow the profit margin? That's what we're looking at. Then I reverse engineer it and I will help you craft that offer. And part of that offer is going to be the customer, the lifetime customer value. Because that's what I'm thinking about. That's the lifetime customer value and it comes with your Ascension model. Meaning, what is the customer journey? I really am, am, am client-focused, and I help my trainers to be client-focused, meaning they need to understand what is the customer journey from where they are now, how are they going to get to where they want to be, what is that going to take, and I do help them craft that offer, but in terms of like the – and I also help them keep track of those metrics that matter, and it depends on and depending on whatever business model that is. What is your retention rate? What is your membership churn rate? Here are some industry standards, but at the bottom, but the but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the industry standards are. You're comparing it to yourself year over year, month over month. And then the data is gonna tell you where the breakdown is. That's what we're looking at. And in every step of the customer journey. It's going to t- tell you what the there's going to be a breakdown. The data is going to tell you what where the breakdown is. Either the messaging isn't compelling, it's not the right offer to at the right time, or there was a fulfillment concern in the in the offer. So yes, we do unpack that and talk about that in the in in our time together. I think that's I think that's a point that that really needs to be highlighted um, because lifetime value of the client can like make or break a business, at least in my opinion. And mm-hmm. if not to put you on the spot, if you had to, if there's a coach listening right now, like, how do I even do that? Is there, can you give them like a simple equation to back the envelope map, like lifetime value of their clients to see if they have any idea what they should be doing, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're starting to like, you have to know lots of things. Like you have to know the EPL, which is your earnings per lead. What's your cost per lead? And then how long your people, you know, stay with right. you. So what right. I would say. No, that, that, that could be perfect. Any- that, that's why I wanted them to like start thinking like client acquisition, what you're getting paid, yes. like how they can back into those numbers, which I think most people like have, they might be hearing this for the very first time. Like I should be tracking that. 
Yes, absolutely. So the thing that you want to be thinking about is look and 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 measuring it and, and there's no right or wrong way to do this. What's what matters is the consistency and how you do it. So think about like if you're taking someone's body fat, you have to do it the same way every time. It's the same kind of thing with when you're measuring your your numbers. So if you're doing it and it depends on your offer. So that's one of the other things I'm going to say too that a lot of trainers make the mistake of is that they sell sessions. But people aren't interested in your session and they trade dollar for hour and it's not your it's not your fault that you do that because gyms teach you to do that, insurances teach you to do that. So it's so it's hard to calculate, well what is my lifetime customer value because I don't even know, you know, some clients pay 600, some clients pay pay, you know, 100, you know, $75 and it varies. But so what I'll do is I'll take my offers and I don't have, I mean, I sounds like I have a lot, but I really only have four different core offers that you can purchase to work with me, whether it's $27, $37 to 10 grand, right? So I will take, I personally know that, so I'll take like, all right, so this is my percentage, this is my pool of people and my pool, and I take the percentage of people that upgrade. And that's the vow. And, and I will take that number, that revenue number of the upgraded people in a six month container or 12 month, like depending on what you want to measure. And then I divide it by the number of people that I have in my space. And that's my lifetime value of my customer. And I know on average that when a client, when I acquire a new client at a certain level that come in at my 2K signature offer, I'm roughly going to generate anywhere from 2 to 7K on average for that client. And so I know, okay, I can spend, I'm willing to spend a hundred bucks to get that lead because I know that they're going to be worth that. Sure. Now, lifetime. if you're like, whoa, I can't even get to lifetime customer value right now, let's just start with earnings per lead. Meaning, if you know that, and if you want, and how you get your earnings per lead is you take the revenue you've made in a month, in three months, six months, whatever you want, take it and divide it by the number of people you've done sales calls with, or you've done uh, leads with because, or however you determine a lead, that's your earnings per lead. Your cost per lead could be, you know, what did you pay to net? Like, did you go to a networking, you know, what did you pay to get that lead? Did you pay Facebook ads? What was your, you know, did you go to a networking event and you had to pay and you paid like a hundred dollars and then you got 10 leads? We'll take a hundred divided by 10. That's your cost per lead. So if you know your cost per lead and you can measure it against your EPL, then, it, then the sky's the limit. And then you just know that, oh, okay, so if I invest a dollar, I'll get five dollars back. I'm gonna I'm gonna put money in that broken time slip machine any day, all day. Like money, money, just come out. Right? But most people don't track that. They're not paying attention to that. And if you have a membership model and people can cancel anytime, that's you know, your churn, you have to track it on however you want. One month, I my clients do it on one month. But some clients look at it at a three-month container because that's typically when people, you know, what when people start to drop off for fitness. 
And that gives you, that gives you data. Okay. So if I know people are falling off at month three, what is it that I can do that's going to incentivize them? That's going to create a larger gap to get them to stay, to see the maintenance. There needs to be messaging around why they need to stay in order to stay consistent. No, this is. Does that answer the question? No, this is super helpful <laughs> because this is yeah. the data. And even like I help my clients track all their numbers. And some of the marketing KPIs are where I struggle because um, the goal is to for us to do a lot of this for them so they can focus on the business and be like, here's your numbers. But some of the marketing KPIs, because of where it comes from, doesn't sink into my software too easily. So mm -hmm. um, that's why I like to, to highlight it with people like yourself that do this for people because it's hard when you're not the business owner to give the business owner this data. So I like mm -hmm. them to have the mindset of like, what is my lifetime value to help me help them get that number tracked? Um, and I don't, I don't know if you are familiar with like um, Alex Hermosi and like, Oh, I love him. Um, he was, he said love something. Him. I, I was only interested in maybe four months ago or five months ago. And since I think I listened to like almost every one of his podcasts, read his book. Um, mm -hmm. But he said something Books. that's interesting about what, like similar to you said, like it doesn't have to be high ticket. I think he said Starbucks, their lifetime value is like eight grand. And obviously their coffees mm -hmm. are on like four or five bucks. So it's, mm -hmm. It's yeah, important to no. know the number because then you can figure out how much you need to spend on your marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I also think that I love Alex. I love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. I think he is a master at, at, at a lot of like persuasive content, right? Yeah. I think that <clears throat> I think that one of the areas of opportunities that marketers in general can really help their people understand is that, you know, there are certain things he says and does that sound really amazing and he makes it sound so easy, but then he doesn't really teach you how he's doing that, right? He'll say things like get paid to get a lead. Well, that's essentially what Facebook will have you do, but it takes practice. You have to guess, test, and assess, and you have to know where you're looking in order to measure the performance of said ad. It makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one area. You just have to area. know what you're looking at. Say it. Say it. You, you just have to know what you're looking at, and that is what the data will tell you. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I, I love listening to his information because, again, like, we do, we like do a lot of financial data for people trying to get, mm -hmm. keep up with all the, like the social media marketing data. Um, again, that's not my area of expertise. So like his, his podcasts are really helpful for me to learn what I need to be incorporating for my clients as well. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's a master and he will, you have to go down the rabbit hole with him and he will talk like he does unpack. He does share some persuasive components. It's just, you have to, you know, again, people are going after speed. They want fast trainers too, business owners too. Yeah. We all want to make a million dollars in, in a month. Not all of us, but we want the fastest, most efficient way possible to get to whatever goal it is that you are working on getting, right? And part of it, though, is doing the reps, learning the skills, that you skill acquisition. You're not going to expect your client to go and deadlift, you know, 
three times their body weight <laughs> when they're just learning to deadlift, deadlift for the first time. You know, they're, you learn the pattern and then you do the, and then you practice it. Repetition, Jim Fortin says all the time, repetition is the mother of all learning. You need to repeat. Yeah, I, I like that. I was listening to your podcast and like you use his, his frameworks, I think is cool because I like, it's nice to hear his frameworks said differently because he says it mm-hmm. the same way a lot, which is great, but it, sometimes I'll hear one of his coaches or someone else say the same exact thing, but just slightly different than it like clicks for me. So it's cool yes. listening to you, especially because you sort of apply it to the fitness world, which is the jargon I'm more comfortable with as well than like the mindset jargon. That. Sometimes that stuff yes. goes over my head. So <laughs> yes, or, or, you know, Yes. And I, for me too, because I work with so many high levels, like scientists, right? So they are really looking at it from a, a, you know, a linear, like two plus two (laughs) is four. What do you mean? I have to be it to see it. That doesn't make sense. Right. But when you can start unpacking it from a scientific perspective there, they, they can get on board. And I really love that. What you said is that, you know, that that's an example of why the, why, all of us are needed in what it is that we do. If you're ever having that moment of, you know, why me? I, I, you know, someone else, so-and-so is doing it so much better. And I've walked that path too. But the truth of the matter is that you and I could say literally the same thing and it's going to fall differently on people just based on the what and the why and how you say it and your own context box. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, so it sounds like you you help your clients focus on a lot of the areas that you know we in finance think are important because again like knowing your numbers. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell the listeners like these fitness coaches, like what are your personal philosophies on investing and building wealth outside of the business? So I love that you are asking me this question because it's on record now on December 22nd, 2021, because that's honestly one of my, that's my goal for 2022 is that I want to understand the language of wealth. And I want to really step into other, other forms of, of income and other ways to really, um, other ways to really grow a, a holistic wealth, right? Whole, like a holistic view of wealth. And I think that because I know for me, I get super overwhelmed. Like it's like I finally figured out this one gear. I finally figured out this machine, which is your money generating machine. And I'm like, oh, I figured that out. I know how to do that. I'm just going to do that forever, right? And now there's going to be a whole nother layer of... And that, by the way, took a whole lot of unpacking your stories of how you feel about money and your comfortability with money and your relationship to money and receiving and selling, right? Which is where a lot of people live. And then once you can do that and you can step into that next level, which is not really anything about you changing, it's more about you shedding, um, And you shedding your beliefs and having conversations and being okay to talk about money and have conversations about money, that is what it's really, you know, going to take. And for me, when I was working at uh, at Crunch, we, you know, I was generating and talking about $2.1 million of 
of revenue per month for uh, someone else's dream, right? Now we're working on my dream and working that work. And I want to get it. I want to step into that energy of, of having your money work for you so that you're not just working for money and it's not dollar for hour. It's more of a wealth conversation. I've literally just started getting comfortable with that. Part of it has been like just getting comfortable with what are these investments and, you know, having to deal with my partner, like my husband, I love him, but he has very serious conversation, like beliefs around investing and thinking it's like stock market scamming and that you're just going to lose all your money and just a lot of like really interesting things that I didn't know we had to actually work on. So that's my goal for 2022. In terms of do I think it's important? Heck yes. If you were to ask me like what are the, you know, core things when it comes when it comes to money, it's like for me, it's get your generate your money generator, your machine, get that cooking, get that working and then make your money work for you. Clear your debt and make your money work for you. Yeah. That's, Which is what I'm going to step into in 2022. But in terms of how to do that, I'm just going to call you. <laughs> well, we're, we're here to help. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's a, you said something that, again, like this is why I have so much admiration for the Alex Ramosi and everything he talks about is because I see that a lot and it drives me nuts where people get their money machine working and then they kind of let it coast away as they start looking at these active investment strategies and he specifically talked about that and he can obviously talk about it because he's, I think he already is worth over a hundred million or so. And he's still, you know, now maybe he's a little bit less, but he's still actively working on building the money machines, not just like becoming mm-hmm. uh, a stock trader all day long. It's like, what about your business that was generating you way more? Why don't you focus on mm-hmm. doubling that? It'd probably be way easier. And like, again, the same, like you said with your husband, some people, they don't know what they're doing and they're making mistakes. They're making, they're losing money versus growing their business. So I feel like that's, you can't emphasize enough for young people. It's like, get the business. Like most ultra wealth people that are out there, they did not have like 10 ventures. They had one that became Microsoft or Apple. And then they started to divest into other things, but they grew one giant thing first. Yeah. I mean, Alex is, I love him. He is a brilliant, like he is brilliant. I love his work. And if you listen to his work, one of the things that he says that I feel like fitness people, we all, we're all human beings, whether you're working with general population or fitness people, like we're all, or business owners, we're all human beings. So we're all looking for the fastest quick fix. And if you are trying to make money quick, lose weight quick, get fit quick, right? That's not the same as the most efficient. There's a difference between a quick fix and skill acquisition. And Alex, he if you listen to his story, his rubber meets the road, he had a lot of skill acquisition. And what I've found, too, with me and with my clients, the ones who have accidental success at first are harder to work with than the people who have struggled and struggled and struggled because the people who have this expectation of what their baseline is, they have a much farther way to fall than the person who is going step by step by step by step. Yeah. yeah I feel like you see that sometimes even like at the pro level, the people who are just natural, oh, yeah. natural talent don't necessarily do as well as like you listen to like... um 
Tim Grover talk about Jordan and Kobe. And it's like that when talent meets relentless, like effort and mindset, mm -hmm. that's when it's, you know, the 0.001 percenters or whatever. But yeah, if it's, if it's natural, sometimes it, it can fizzle. Yeah, I love that. You know, and I also think too that people will, I love that it goes a little sideways, but that's just a great example of why you have to step into what you're called to do because you don't see, you know, Michael Jordan coaching a team and running the show. You don't see Steven Spielberg being the, you know, top actor in, in every single film that he does, right? But people will look to those people who can't, um, that who can't teach or they can't unpack what it is they're doing. They just do it naturally because they're already in, you know, the top 10%. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I just think it's, you have to be with people who've walked. Is I just personally think when you work with someone who is walking or walk the, walk the past and been where you've been, it, it is a game changer. Yeah. And it's like anything like it, like Michael Phelps and things like that. It's you need yeah. someone who's just looking at you objectively. There's not, they're not tired. Like you're yes, tired. They're yes. not emotional. Like you're emotional. They're just objectively saying, change this. This is, this is something I'm seeing. Yeah. And also, you know, too, in addition, like one caveat, that doesn't mean you have to have, you know, been the avatar or been the person you just have to be walk and walk because walking the path could be, you know, working with your clients. Like I had my my OBGYN was a male, so he didn't have babies, <laughs> but he had walked the path with a lot of other moms who've had a baby. So, you know, I just want to throw that caveat on there because a lot of personal trainers are like, I'm not fit enough to be a trainer, but that's just not true. No. So, you know, that's that again, un invisible stuff we have to unpack. Well, this has been extremely helpful, Beverly. Uh, for listeners that want to learn more about you and your company, what's the best way for them to find you? The best place to find me is literally B Simpson Fitness on Instagram, right? Come send me a DM. Let me know you heard the podcast and that you that you're a huge fan so uh, of this show. I'd love and I love to connect. So perfect. You can send me a DM. And there. we'll have links to everything in the show notes. But uh Thank you so much for joining us today on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Thanks, Beverly. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.